TII item 246, November 3rd, 2012, Iowa 6.0.1 and 6.1 beta. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Colin! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. Today's episode is brought to you by SquareTrade. Please visit squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get your discount on your iOS device warranty. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Neil for sending in the music here in the background. Neil wrote, Hi, Rob. This is an original song I created with the app Reason. I have the version with the words on my website at waahaaa.com. Regards, Neil. Thanks, Neil, for the song and the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song up at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Lou for sending in the artwork for today's show. Lou wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this artwork with Retouch for iOS, Defont.com, and Art Studio. Regards, Lou V. Well, Lou, thanks again for sending in the artwork. Folks, you can see Lou's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 246 or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Barnes & Noble's new Nook tablets may not be quite as powerful or versatile as the iPad, but they do beat Apple in one key measure, weight. Quentin Fattrell, Smart Money, 3rd of October, 2012. Quentin, in all fairness, the iPad mini had not been announced when you first said that, but now that it has, well, you're now incorrect and part of the segment. The iPad mini is actually lighter than its just 7-inch competitors. This week for promo codes, we have multiple apps. The first app is, well, really two different versions of two apps. An iPhone-specific version and an iPad-specific version. This is the app Screencaster. Here is the review from the dev. Screencaster for iPad enables you to share the screen of your iPad with anyone, anywhere in the world. Now, for the first time ever, you can start a web conference, invite your viewers, and share your iPad's screen with your remote viewers, all from the comfort of your iPad. Screencaster for iPad supports an unlimited number of remote viewers on iPads, iPhones, and even on computers. No client software is required. Screencaster for iPad supports professional presentations of a wide range of document types, including PDF, PowerPoint, Microsoft Word, and more. Screencaster for iPad includes a whiteboard module and also supports streaming web content directly from your iPad to your remote viewers. Screencaster for iPad is currently available and on sale in the App Store. Thanks to the dev for his review of the app Screencaster. And for sending in the promo codes to give away, folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put screencaster iPad or screencaster iPhone in the subject line. 
That's Screencaster iPad for the iPad version or Screencaster iPhone for the iPhone version. The second or third app, depending on how you're counting, that we have promo codes for is the app ASE All Seeing Eye. Here is the promo from the dev. Hey, Today in iOS listeners, my name is Brent, and I'm the dev behind a new iPad app called ASC, All Seeing Eye. ASC is a medical data visualizer and dashboard for the human body. It allows you to check your annual physical data that you get from your doctor and your blood work. Right now, you can already put 80 biomarkers into ASC from 10 regions of your body, such as liver, kidney, heart, hormones, brain, muscles, and so on. ASC allows you to check that your doctor is ordering your medical checkups in a timely manner. You can enter and manipulate your data, but the real power is in viewing the color graphs. Red values are out of range or bad tests that need to be repeated very soon. Green values can be seen in the graph as good medical results that don't need to be checked again for six months. Basically, if you're red, you're dead, and if you're green, you're clean. Red scores need to be retested within 30 days, so your doctor should tell you how to bring the values inside a healthy range. ASC stores unlimited data for your entire family on the same iPad, and it can be backed up and emailed to you, so you own your data, not us. Use it to make your health better every single day. Thanks, Brent, for the review of your app ASE All Seeing Eye and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put ASE on the subject line. And finally, we have one more app we have promo codes for. This one comes from the land down under, and it's called Dickie Kneewacker. Here is a little jingle from the dev that he sent in. His name is A quick description of this game is, quote, Australia's best known and cheekiest head on a stick now has his very own app and he is ready to take you around the world, unquote. The dev sent in 20 promo codes for this one. And if you would like a chance for one of these promo codes, just put Dickie in the subject line of an email you send to me at todayinios at gmail.com. As always, just send in one email for one specific version this week of one of the apps. If you send in multiple versions or ask for multiple versions of the app in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. Our weekly reminder, if you are an app developer, email me. If you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment, there is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating up front you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Hey, Rob, this is Mike calling in from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Just wanted to tell you that there's a new update 6.01 just released. So just thought I'd give you a call and let you know. Uh, enjoy the show. Thanks for the podcast. Keep it up. Bye. Mike, thanks for the update. And, you know, since this is an iOS podcast, probably best that we start here talking about iOS 6.0.1. And that was available as of Thursday of this week. So what is in iOS 6.0.1? Well, with any 0.x update or any main number, secondary number, that .x update, bug fixes and just bug fixes. According to Apple, quote, this update contains improvements and bug fixes, including 
Fixes a bug where horizontal lines may be displayed across the keyboard. Fixes an issue that could cause camera flash to go not go off. Improves reliability of the iPhone 5 and iPod Touch 5th Gen when connected to encrypted uh, Wi-Fi networks. Resolves an issue that prevents iPhone from using the cellular network in some instances. Consolidated the use of cellular data switch for iTunes Match. Fixes a passcode lock bug, which sometimes allowed access to passbook pass details from the lock screen. Fixes a bug affecting exchange meetings. Fixes a bug that prevents iPhone 5 from installing software updates wirelessly over the air. Unquote. And per that last item, if you have an iPhone 5 and the bug fix is an update per a bug that prevents said device from doing an over-the-air update, well, guess what? You can't do an over-the-air update. Well, not super easy-peasy like the rest of us. It is best, if you can, to do the upgrade via iTunes on your computer, but if you can't or never sync to a computer, then there is a nice article at CNET that goes over how to do an update to iOS 6.0.1 directly from your iPhone 5, Look for the link titled How to Update the iPhone 5 to iOS 6.0.1 in the show notes for episode 246. Thanks uh, to listener Myron, who did give back some feedback, who did that upgrade, and it worked for him. So again, uh, look for that link in the show notes at episode 246. It's going to be the first item up there. Per iOS 6.0.1, it does seem to be working well. I did the upgrade on two of my devices, and I had no issues. Feedback from other listeners has also been very positive. As always, and this is important, as always, make sure you back up before doing any updates. Actually, update, force quit all your apps, then do a reset network settings, then do the update once you get your Wi-Fi connected again and you have your device plugged into a power source. As always, jailbreakers, stay away from this. Stick with iOS 5.x if you want to keep your jailbreak. Speaking of listener feedback, here's some. Hi Rob, I just updated to iOS 6.0.1 over my wireless. It took about five minutes and I didn't even have it plugged in. So far, it's working great. Regards, Dan. If jailbreaking is not in your future, and if you have an iPhone 5 especially, and you've been having issues connecting to a Wi-Fi hotspot, you definitely want to go ahead and do this update. Rob, this is Phil from Winter Park, Florida. There's an iOS 6.1 update available for iPhone 5. I sent you an email as well. Laters. Phil, thanks for the voicemail. Not sure if you meant to say iOS 6.1 update or iOS 6.1 beta, but either way, this is a good segue into the fact that there is an iOS 6.1 beta update available for devs. Unlike the iOS 6.0.1, which was all about bug fixes, the 6.1 beta is more about features and tweaks. New features and tweaks, that is. In the Maps app, there is a much bigger button now for reporting a problem. Or as it's being called in Cupertino, the Scott Forrestal Memorial button. But more on that later in the show. There is also a change in the spacing of the buttons for the player control from the lock screen, moving them apart from one another, making it easier to tap the button you wanted. And most excitingly, there is an update for the MapKit searches. Quote, the MapKit framework now lets you programmatically search for map-based addresses and points of interest. Unquote. So for example, say you search for donation. You should now be able to find places to donate things. Like, oh, I don't know, let's say a rat's backside. You know, like the one I now would like to give away after reading about these new, quote, features. Unquote. Wow. 
I bet you all can't wait to get a hold of iOS 6.1 to use all those new, quote, features, unquote. If you're a dev and actually find, you know, a real useful and exciting new feature in iOS 6.1, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog. Of course, I will not reveal you who you are so that you do not break any NDAs with Apple per talking about unreleased iOS features. But at this point, if you found something exciting in iOS 6.1, I'm sure Apple PR would give you a kiss. Just saying. One other major update, well, major update if you're a podcaster or interested in podcasts, is the new podcast app version 1.1.2, which was available on November 2nd. Ironically, yes, version 1.1.2 was available on 11.2. Hmm. Key bug fixes in this include ones I've heard from many of you. Bugs, that is, not the fixes. Fixing the issues where it unexpectedly plays a podcast after a phone call or an alarm, or where previously deleted episodes kept showing up, and it's supposed to have additional stability and performance improvements. I did not get a chance to really play with this yet prior to recording this show, as the show was late enough already, but I will be playing with it the next week or so, and I would also love to hear back from you and from anyone that was having issues, especially with excessive bandwidth problems with the podcast app. And well, again, I played with it a little bit since I wrote that. And one nice thing is the show notes from the lyrics tag show up when you play an episode from the top station. So on the station side, the top station side, if you find an episode for one of those, for a podcast you like and you go to play it, while it's playing, you'll actually now see the show notes from the lyrics. But for now, that is the only place I see the show notes from the lyric tag showing up, which, hey, is one more place than before. Let me know your thoughts, feedback on the latest version of the podcast app, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, or record it and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob, it's Don from Gunnersville, Alabama. I had a request to see if somebody could help me out uh, finding an app for personalized group messaging. What I will be using it for is I coach my kids sports and stuff, so communicating with all the parents via text message is what I typically do. And the group messaging that comes on the iPhone when you send a message to a group, if one person replies, everybody in the group sees the reply, and it becomes an annoyance for everybody involved if you have a couple of replies and stuff. So what I want is something that I can create like a basic template message. I've seen, I've had one in a program in the past that would allow you to select different fields within the contact, like first name, last name, or first and last name, or different things like that so that you could kind of personalize the message and when you got ready to press send it actually sent if you have 15 parents on your team it actually sent 15 individual text messages but i can't seem to find anything out there that'll do the job so i thought if you could just ask if anybody's got an idea or an app that might fulfill that need i'd appreciate it thanks for all you do love the show we'll talk to you later into the email bag we go Hey Rob, longtime listener, just listened to the new podcast and heard stories of Apple stores and Apple Care over the phone replacing rattling iPhone 5Ss. I can assure you that Apple's stance on this is that it is normal and that they are not replacing those devices. I am a senior advisor for Apple Care and have internal documentation with this information. Good luck to those of you trying to get it replaced. 
But as far as Apple is concerned, this is expected behavior. Regards, Johnny Appleseed. Hi, Rob. Maybe you can help. I not only lost Safari, but also lost iTunes and the App Store icons. I'm running version 5.1. Any ideas? I thought these apps were ones that could not be removed. Regards, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. I hear this one quite a bit. Check in the settings app, then general, then restrictions. Likely those apps are turned off. Just turn them back on and they'll appear. And Kevin did confirm that indeed was the issue. Remember, if any of your stock apps disappear, the ones you're not able to delete, and you can't find them, there's a good chance they are turned off in restrictions. Or if you want to get rid of one of your stock apps, go to restrictions and see which ones are listed, and you can turn off some of those that you don't use and get rid of them off your iPhone. Hi, Rob. My name is Scott. I live in Kentucky. I had been an iPad 2 user, but I had to sell it recently. I'm quite interested in the iPad mini. I wish the price had been lower, but, you know, I'll work on that. And just keep up the good work. And anytime you can include anything related to iPad, iPhone accessibility, there are a lot of people who would be interested in that that I know as well. Have a good day. Hey, Rob. This is Nat S. from Connecticut. Um, so I watched the iPad mini slash fourth generation iPad announcement today and kind of upset. I was kind of expecting just the iPad mini, you know, not not worrying about the Macs. I was just expecting the iPad mini and I was expecting it under $300 and I was ready to pre-order it and I was going to get the data plan. So I figured I was going to end up having to spend a little over $350 and now I realize I have to spend $460 to get a data plan with the iPad mini. It kind of screws everything up and I don't get why it couldn't have just been $250, $300. I don't know if I'm just a complainer, but that's really it. Love the show. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks all for the feedback. I think on the iPad mini pricing, I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen it at $299. I don't think there was any realistic assumption that it was going to be below $299 if Apple really wanted to keep the margins, especially when you look at how nice the device is. I mean, this isn't one of the cheap 7-inch tablets. This is much nicer than its competition. One more email here. Hi, Rob. I wrote a post for my newly created blog and figured it might help a few people out. Regards, Lou V. And the post Lou wrote about is titled Top 10 Reasons Why an iPad is a Great Christmas Gift for Your Kid. Look for that link in the show notes. A couple of reasons from the list, not in any specific order. One, any kid over 12 months old can operate it. Two, it's easy to wrap. Three, it will not disappoint. Unlike, say, oh, I don't know what Kindle Fire did last year. Anyway, thanks, Lou, for the list, and folks, go ahead and check it out on Lou's newly created blog. Per the iPad Mini and pre-orders, it took about 20 minutes for the Wi-Fi-only white models to sell out in all configs. It took about 35 hours for the black 16-gig version to sell out, and just a tad bit under three days for the other two versions of the black iPad Mini to sell out. Right now, all iPad Mini Wi-Fi models are listed as two weeks for delivery. So does this mean Apple sold millions upon millions of units? Probably not. Just that they sold out what they had uh, have inventory for, or at least set aside for pre-orders. Since Apple did not do a press release this week on the first weekend pre-sales, it's safe to say they did not break any sales records. If they don't do a press release on Monday morning, given the numbers of iPad mini and fourth gen iPad sales, well, then we'll know for sure they did not break any records. Not that I really expect them to. 
The Apple A-listers got their iPad minis right after the event and were embargoed until mid this week from talking about the iPad mini. But when the embargo was lifted, they all posted quickly. For the most part, most of them really liked it, thus ensuring they would remain A-listers in the eyes of Apple for the next Apple product launch. Just saying. So, if you want to read their reviews, there are links in the show notes to a couple of posts that aggregated the reviews. Look for iPad Mini Review Roundup and iPad Mini Review Roundup in the show notes. Personally, I care less and less about these pre-release reviews. What I care about are the ones from you, the listeners, that actually paid for said iPad Mini and are not incentivized to stay in Apple's good graces. What, really? You don't think these guys feel pressure to kiss a little butt? Come on, get real. So that all said, folks, if you received your iPad Mini, please call or write in with some short, pithy little likes and dislikes about the iPad Mini that you have. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Phil Schiller is reported to have responded to an email inquiry about the speakers on the iPad Mini and if they were mono or stereo. Phil responded that the Mini does have stereo speakers. If you look at the bottom, you can see the two speakers, one on each side of the lightning port. So now all you have to do to enjoy those speakers is place the lightning port right on the bridge of your nose. That will get one speaker on the left side of your head and one on the right. And man, what a great stereo experience it shall be. The one early review I always do look forward to, and this is one that comes out actually after the device is on sale, is the kind of component porn type review that comes from iFixit. And keeping with tradition, they did one of their great teardowns of the iPad mini and did confirm that yes, if you place the iPad mini's dock connector on the bridge of your nose, you too can hear the stereo speaker goodness in the iPad mini. Overall, iFixit gave the iPad mini a 2 out of 10 for repairability. They did note the LCD and glass are not fused together, so if you crack the glass, it does not mean you have to change out the more expensive LCD. One other thing of note is that the lightning connector is soldered to the logic board. So if you break the connector, ka-ching on the repair bill. But then again, I'm sure no one will ever damage the lightning port. Uh, yeah. So the big question after the iPad mini event was, what will Sprint offer for data plans for the iPad mini? Okay, well, not the big question, but at least a question. Sprint announced their new LTE tablet data plan shortly thereafter, which we assume means data plans for the iPad mini 4G and the iPad 4th Gen 4G. The monthly plans are $14.99 for 300 megabytes, $34.99 for 3 gigabytes, $49.99 for 6 gigabytes, and $79.99 for 12 gigabytes. This is for new users, non-smartphone users of Sprint. These plans are cheaper than Verizon or AT&T's off-contract tablet plans as well. So for those with smartphones, though, that are on Sprint, a.k.a. an iPhone on Sprint, you can add a 1 gigabyte monthly plan for $15 to your account or a 100 megabyte plan for $10 a month. But why you would choose the latter, I am a totally clueless on. If there are any last-minute changes to the Sprint data plans, I'll try to let you know prior to the release of the iPad Mini 4G. If, however, price is not your only deciding factor and you are not one of the 32 markets that Sprint currently has LTE in, then you'll want to read the post in light reading titled 
deciding on a 4G operator for your iPad mini. It talks about AT&T's current 77 live LTE markets and Verizon's 419 live LTE markets versus the previously mentioned 32 live LTE markets for Sprint. Which LTE carrier will be best for you will depend greatly on where you live and where you plan to travel to. I just love all those articles about lines being shorter for the iPad mini, or as they say, mini lines for the iPad mini, or quote, surprisingly shorter lines greet the iPad mini, unquote, as one title put it. Really? Here would be my title if I did a post on this. Quote, surprisingly, there are lines to greet the iPad mini, unquote. Really, any lines for the iPad mini are surprising to me. It is a smaller, slower version of the iPad with lower resolution screen. Don't get me wrong, I think it is still much, much better than the competition in the sub 8 inch category of tablets. But lines for this device? Uh, no, don't see it, don't understand it. And the real reason I did not think there would be lines is that the iPad mini that will be most in demand is not the Wi-Fi version, at least it's not the one I think it'll be most in demand. It is the LTE slash 4G slash cellular version. To me, that is the one that stands out. After all, the reason for wanting a smaller iPad that weighs less than half the amount of the current iPad Maxi is not to sit in bed with it, but to take it out and about. When I asked my wife if she wanted an iPad mini, her first response was, quote, does that mean I have to give up my current iPad? Because that one is the one I want, and that's the one I'm going to use in bed, unquote. Okay, which could either say a little or a whole lot about our sex life, depending on, I guess, which apps we are using the most. But the key point here is, while she really likes the idea of getting a cellular-enabled smaller iPad mini for checking email and surfing the web when out of the house, she still does not want to give up her iPad 3rd gen when in the house. So again, the point is, I don't see the Wi-Fi only model being as hotly desired as the LTE slash 4G slash cellular model. But hey, what's your opinion on this? 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com, like this email. Hi Rob, we went to our local Best Buy today to pick up an iPad mini, we got there around 11.30am and they still had several of each model in black and the 32 gig and white, which is what we got. While we were there, another person bought a 64 gig iPad, which I'm assuming was the iPad 4. The mini is nice size for my wife as it will drop right into a purse. Regards, Myron Yu. Hello, Rob. This is Steve from the Chicagoland area. I want to chime in on my comments on the Apple announcements made on Tuesday. Uh, first of all, Rob, I got to say on that iPad mini, it looks great, but I would hold out for generation two because I'll be looking for a retina display as well as a faster processor. Uh, number two on the fourth gen iPad, you know, I just bought an iPad 3 when that came out uh, earlier in the year. So if I decide to go that route, I probably wouldn't wait. I probably would wait until the next iPad to come out to see whether or not it would be worthwhile me doing an upgrade. Plus, my iPad is jailbroken and I like the little. Uh, tweaks I have on it so I wouldn't be so readily steadfast to upgrade right away anyway so that's my take on it uh, if I do decide to upgrade it may be to the mini for the second generation I'm gonna go into an Apple store a couple of weeks after the announcement to look at some of the displays of the mini put it in my hand 
see whether or not this would be something I would want to purchase in the future. If not, I'll probably hold uh, steadfast with the larger iPad and see what the next generation will look like. Take care, Rob. Enjoy the show as usual. Steve, thanks for the feedback, the very level-headed feedback. Now, there are a bunch of reports and posts and emails and voicemails that I've gotten and seen and read about people with the iPad 3rd gen feeling cheated by the iPad 4th gen coming out so soon. Three little words. Get over it. Really, I mean it. Get over it. Sure, the iPad 4 is twice as fast as the iPad 3rd gen. Well, okay, a little faster than twice as fast. But it is what it is. I have an iPad 3rd gen, and I'm not having any problem with this upgrade. Person benchmark tests, it does show it has a score of 1,757 versus the 3rd gen at 791. Obviously, higher is faster. The iPhone 5, for comparison's sake, scored a... 1571. Actually, I found a nice comparison for all the iOS devices using the Geekbench results. As mentioned, the iPad 4th Gen wins the day with a 1752 score. The iPhone 4S comes in at 655 and the iPhone 4 at 375. The iPad 2 is at 781, so pretty close to the 791 of the iPad 3rd Gen. Interesting that they're that close. The original iPhone, it scored a 136. So the iPad 4th Gen is over 12 times faster than the first iPhone. Look for the link titled iOS Benchmarks Geek Bench Browser in the show notes for episode 246 over at todayonios.com. Oh yeah, back to the point of the segment. Really, folks, get over it. Get over that the iPad 4th Gen is out. If you have a 3rd Gen, I do again, and I don't feel cheated. You know, you know who's feeling cheated right now? Well, let me tell you who's feeling cheated right now. It's the folks with the original iPad that are stuck at iOS 5.x. Yeah, they're the ones that got cheated. But given the specs of the iPad mini and how good that device is, Apple had to upgrade the specs now. They had to do a little step up on the iPad Maxi to get it a little bit further away from the iPad mini. Otherwise, the mini was just going to be totally cannibalizing the iPad Maxi. All right, let's switch gears and get away from the iPads and iOS for a second and talk about quarterly conference calls. And before Apple had theirs, AT&T had theirs first. AT&T reported sales of the iPhone of about 1.2 million iPhone 5s last quarter, roughly double what uh, Verizon had. Actually, that's what they said. They were roughly double of what Verizon had. And they had 4.7 million iPhones overall, meaning about... 3.5 million iPhones sold last quarter were not the iPhone 5 uh, versus 3.8 million in the quarter before that. So a little bit of drop there for non-iPhone 5 sales, which is about the same drop percentage-wise as what Verizon saw. So if you figured that out, it was pointing to, again, 29 million iPhones sold last quarter. I'll go over the actual numbers from Apple shortly. Overall, AT&T sold 6.1 million smartphones, of which 77% were iPhones. So kudos to Apple for keeping the smartphone market locked up at AT AT&T. Sprint also had their call last week. Some highlights of that call are that Sprint sold 1.5 million iPhones last quarter and are ahead of schedule to meet their requirements from Apple on iPhone sales. 
Sprint did not reveal or I could not find anywhere or any info on how many smartphones they sold overall for the last quarter. Sprint did say churn rate for iPhone users is materially lower versus other smartphones, i.e. Android devices. There are also lower support costs for the iPhone versus Android as well. So two of the bigger things that telecom carriers look at, churn and support costs. In both cases, iOS devices, the iPhone, I should say, was better than the Android devices. Moving on to Apple's quarterly conference call last week, here is a very quick summary of that quarterly numbers from Apple on the call. Revenue, $36 billion, up from $28.3 billion in the year-ago quarter. Total cash, $121.3 billion, up $4.1 billion from the quarter prior, even after paying out $2 billion in dividends. Apple sold 26.9 million iPhones last quarter versus the 17.07 million in the year-ago quarter and the 26 million last quarter, but lower than the 29 million I thought it would be. And as I mentioned on the last episode, anything lower than 29 million probably meant bad news for Apple stock, which is kind of proving out to be true right now. Apple sold 14 million iPads last quarter versus 11.12 million in the year ago quarter and 17 million last quarter. iPod touches sold as usual. Apple didn't give the number, but said it was over half of the iPod sold, and the total number of iPods sold was 5.3 million versus 6.8 million last quarter and 6.6 million in the year ago quarter. Some miscellaneous notes uh, iPhone 5, it was out to 31 countries already. When the call was made, they've actually released to a few more countries since then. And they'll be at 100 countries by the end of the year, including two carriers in China. iPhone business was $17.1 billion last quarter alone. Let's put that in perspective. The iPhone business at Apple, they, they said they broke it out, $17.1 billion last quarter. That's how much revenue from just the iPhone business. Versus $16 billion for all of Microsoft last quarter. That was also larger than Google's overall revenue of $14.1 billion and Amazon's revenue of $13.8 billion. iPad business was $17.5 billion last year, or roughly half of Microsoft's business. Apple sold 1.3 million Apple TVs last quarter. Apple sold 5 million Apple TVs in the past four quarters versus 2.8 million units in the previous four quarters to that. As I mentioned, the iPhone 5 launched in a few more countries this past week, including India, Bulgaria, Croatia, Greece, Malta, Romania, Thailand, and the Dominican Republic. It also was supposed to launch in Mexico. Some reports incorrectly reported Apple was banned from selling the iPhone in Mexico, the iPhone 5, or any iPhone actually, because they lost a court case about the iPhone name. More on that later. But that actually was not the case, the banning of the iPhone sales, that is. And according to Apple's Apple Store website for Mexico, at least, the iPhone 5 appears to be on sale now. I know I have more than a few listeners in Mexico, so if anyone can confirm the iPhone 5 is now available in Mexico, I would appreciate it. Actually, let's just get this whole thing out of the way. What happened was, in a nutshell, there's a company called iPhone in Mexico, I-F-O-N-E. And Apple found out about them and tried to get them blocked from using the name iPhone, thinking phonetically it was too close to iPhone, P-H-O-N-E. Here's the problem. Apple lawyers didn't actually look to see that iPhone had copyrighted that name back in 2003. And 
the tables got turned on Apple. So now iPhone is going after Apple. What this likely means is another big payday for a company other than Apple from Apple's coffers of cash to make this problem go away, which never would have happened if Apple's lawyers hadn't gone after iPhone in the first place because they were just happy sitting there. But once Apple went after them, they turned the tables and went back after Apple. Kudos to them. Apple legal. Boo. But anyway, at this point in time, it looks like Apple's not banned from selling the iPhone or any iPhones in Mexico, but a decision on that is coming up sometime in the near future. And again, expect cash to win the day and the cash to move from Apple to the company iPhone. Gizmodo put up a video showing side-by-side comparisons of Siri versus the newly released Google Voice Search or Google Search with Voice. And based on the video, it looks like Eddie Q has his work cut out for him. From this video, Siri gets her butt kicked and repeatedly kicked. I guess we should thank Google for trying to raise the bar or actually raising the bar or for showing how low it was to start with. Either way, Apple needs to step up their game because when Google Voice search on an iPhone 5 can totally trounce Siri on an iPhone 5 as well, something is clearly not well in Cupertino. Now, actually, the app from Google is just called Google Search App, which is free and now has the voice search feature in it. And in all fairness to Apple here, that video from Gizmodo was totally staged and researched for specific search results beforehand. Because when you use Google search and go to a little more human language, it completely falls down. Don't believe me? Try saying something like, I need coffee. And the results are humorous on the Google search side. Tell Siri you need coffee, and she comes back with a list of local coffee shops. On the plus side for Google search with voice feature, it does work with the iPhone 4. So if you have it, it is much better choice than Siri because, well, Siri is not a choice on the iPhone 4. But yeah, looking at that Gizmodo video, they totally staged that. They totally found ahead of time things that where Siri got beat by Google voice. It was not random things. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, not sure if you're following the mandated EU Apple Samsung apology, but the actual apology issued by Apple on its EU website is exactly what you predicted two episodes ago. In a polite way, it's almost word for word what you had predicted. And now Samsung has complained and the judges agreed the apology wasn't an apology and must be reissued regards Johnny Appleseed. Hi Johnny. Yeah, when I read the apology, quote unquote, apology from Apple, I was kind of in shock because I totally made mine up tongue in cheek. I did not think Apple would have the chutzpah to actually do that. I love that they did do it and think it was great, but I was really shocked they did it the way they did it. Per the UK judges not being happy, yep, not surprised with that one. But you have to love that Apple did what they did, and it was really shockingly brazen of them when you think about it. And it puts lots of additional PR on the subject, but still very surprised they did what they did. Now, per what Apple had in their original apology, which is now no longer up, but which I did pull a copy of, of course. Here's some of it. The first paragraph I won't read because it's the legal requirements and the, the rest is kind of classic Apple. So let's get to the good parts. Quote, The informed user's overall impression of each of Samsung's Galaxy tablets is the following. From the front, they belong to the family which includes the Apple design. 
but the Apple products are very thin, almost insubstantial. Now, not thin as in physically thin, but thin as in not holding much water. Uh, insubstantial members of that family with unusual details on the back. They do not have the same understated and extremely sim extreme simplicity, which is possessed by the Apple design. They are not as cool, unquote. Now, here's where Apple actually, I thought, was genius. Apple said before that quote came from a judge, and then they followed that paragraph with, that judgment has effect throughout the European Union and was upheld by the Court of Appeal on the 18th of October, 2012. That judgment has effect kind of makes it sound like the judgment where the judge was saying that the Samsung tablets aren't cool, not the judgment that was talked about at the beginning of the article. So the way Apple worded that was just brilliant marketese. And then Apple ended it all by saying, so while the UK court did not find Samsung guilty of infringement, other courts have recognized that in the course of creating its Galaxy tablet, Samsung willfully copied Apple's far more popular iPad, unquote. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a less sincere apology anywhere in the history of man than what Apple did here. And you know what? Kudos to them. But of course, as expected by everyone that read Apple's unsincere apology, and I'm sure Apple themselves, the judges were none too happy with Apple making a mockery of their ruling and forced them to redo their, quote, apology, unquote. They then went and pulled down the first version and ran some ads in the UK with the mandated apology, which is pretty boring, which goes something like this, quote, on the 9th of July, 2012, the High Court of the Justice of England and Wales ruled the Samsung Galaxy tablet computers, namely the Galaxy Tab 10.1, Tab 8.9, Tab 7.7, .7, do not infringe Apple's community registered design number, yada, 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 yada. But really, I do have to tip my hat to them on their pure bravado and using the judge's own words and calling the Samsung tablets not cool in their apology. I knew Apple people listened to the show, just did not realize it was Apple's legal team as well listening. Square Trade has a video out there showing a drop test and some dunk tests for the iPad mini, the iPad 3rd gen, and the Nexus 7. One thing Square Trade did was they created a little gizmo device for dropping the devices to make it a fair drop test so it's not just you know, a little biased because the person let go of it a certain way so they have uh, more of a mechanical device doing the dropping to keep it fair. Results are of the corner test, the iPad mini survived the best, and the iPad maxi third gen did not survive so well. This is actually to be expected because, well, the iPad maxi has over twice the weight, so a lot more mass when it's coming down on that corner versus the iPad mini, which was the lightest of the three devices, so not surprised that one held up the best. Dropping them in water, the iPads held up better than the Nexus. The Nexus basically just died right away. The iPad 3rd gen was okay, but a little laggish, and the iPad mini seemed to do much better after being dunked in some water. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the iPad mini is waterproof, just that it survived, it looks like it survived, a dunk in water for a little bit. Who knows how that device is going to work an hour or two hours later. Look for the link in the show note titled iPad Mini Drop and Dunk Test versus Nexus 7 and iPad 3. Of course, if you're looking for a warranty for your iOS device, I highly recommend SquareTrade. Go to squaretrade.com forward slash TII to learn more and get more information about warranties for your iPhones and iPads. Now, I did have an email come in 
Hi, Rob. What happens with our Square Trade warranty when an iPhone or iOS device is replaced by Apple? What happens when the iPhone or iOS device is stolen and we get a new one? I have an insurance policy to cover the theft of my iOS device. Regards, Robin. Hi, Robin. Here is a response from Square Trade. Quote, we cover multiple replacements by Apple and we even waive the deductible when you go to the Genius Bar for a replacement. We do not cover stolen devices, but we will refund the unused portion of your warranty so you can use that to help pay for a new warranty, unquote. Now, if you go to squaretrade.com slash TII, again, you can save on your iPhone and iPad warranties. And of course, if you are looking to get a warranty for your iOS device, be it the iPhone or the iPad, and some point in the future you're even remotely thinking of jailbreaking it, you definitely want to go with Square Trade because they continue to cover you even after your device is jailbroken, unlike Apple, where the Apple Care Plus warranty does not cover being jailbroken. Again, squaretrade.com forward slash TII. Hi, Rob. This is Paul G. in Lawrenceville, and I heard in your latest episode a comment from somebody that Verizon reps were pushing Android devices versus iPhone devices. And I think I know one reason. The new Android devices, uh, particularly Samsung's, have all the radios in them so that you can have simultaneous voice and data on the Verizon network. Uh, The iPhone, as you remember, doesn't. So that's one good reason that if you're a rep for Verizon and you want to have a satisfied customer, let them know that the Android is probably the better one for them until Apple comes out with an iPhone that has uh, simultaneous voice and data. Anyway, that was just my opinion. Thanks for keeping up, everybody, keeping us all up, I should say, on uh, all developments iOS. I've got the iPad mini inbound November 2nd. We'll see how that works. Talk to you later. Take care. Paul, thanks for the feedback, although I'm not sure I agree with that. I don't think that one feature alone would make the Android phones better than the iPhone. But hey, let's play some more ideas from people about why Verizon reps are doing this. Hi, Rob. In answer to the question on the last episode about why Verizon doesn't recommend the iPhone 5, the answer is simple. You can't sell what you don't have. There seems to be serious supply issues for the Verizon iPhone 5. Our local rep store regularly gets AT&T and Sprint phones, but rarely, if ever, any Verizon. And Verizon hasn't had any for a while and are only taking pre-orders. I don't know how Apple is allocating their production, but I did notice that the ship dates of November 16th have been the same on Verizon's website for the last two weeks, which makes me wonder if they are holding off on production of the CDMA phones for either production efficiency or if there are port shortages, which they expect to fulfill in the next week or so. Thanks again, Rob. Cheers. Regards, Paul, Mill Valley, California. And then one more on this. Hi, Rob. The reason most sales representatives of Verizon don't recommend the iPhone is because for every cell phone they sell, they get a certain percentage of commission off the device that they sell. With the iPhone, they only receive a $5 commission off the phone, the iPhone. That is why most people at Verizon push for Android phones, and also they have to go through Apple to return any iOS device. I personally work at a cell phone store and know this to be the case. Regards, Johnny Appleseed. Well, Johnny, on that last one there, if anyone else is a Verizon employee or at a Verizon store and can confirm that, I would love to know if that's true. Because if there is a reduced commission for iPhone sales, that would explain a lot more than any other reason why Verizon reps push 
non-iPhones to uh, unsuspecting and unknowing customers. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Target is giving away a $40 gift card with every iPad 2, 3, or 4 purchase until midnight on November 3rd. Just bought an iPad 4th gen for my son for Christmas. The iPad mini is not part of the promotion. Regards, Don. Well, thanks, Don, for the heads up. So, folks, if you were planning on buying an iPad 2nd, 3rd, or 4th gen, obviously 2nd or 4th gen at this point is what you'd probably be planning on. But if they have a 3rd gen left over... Uh, you can get a $40 gift card at Target until midnight on November 3rd. So got a snap to it. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just a tip for anyone in the Northeast area affected by Hurricane Sandy. AT&T is offering a credit of $25 to customers in the region. A quick call to customer service would do the trick. Just let AT&T know how their service failed in the time that you needed them most. AT&T service was disappointing and left... Me with no seller regards, Carlos from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Carlos, thanks for the heads up on that. But in AT&T's defense, you still need to have electricity at each cell site for the cell network to work. And it's asking a lot in a hurricane in the Northeast to expect that there would be electricity at every cell site. All right, let's get into some Apple gossip news, how this world turns type stuff. For all of those of you that are upset about Maps and Siri and calling for heads to roll at Apple, well, your calls have been answered. With the removal of Scott Forrestal, uh, the former senior VP of iOS, I'm sad to hear this, as I thought the Maps issue was kind of way, way overblown, and based on feedback from many listeners, you know, the majority of you, seem to have felt the same way. But sometimes perceptions rule the day, especially at Apple, and the perception was and is that Apple Maps kind of suck. And once that perception became an accepted reality, well, someone had to pay the piper. And that someone was Scott Forrestal. Scott, we'll miss you. Also now on the outside looking in is John Browett, the recently hired manager and now former head of Apple Retail. Apple says they are looking for a replacement for him per Scott's position as senior VP of iOS. That job is being cut up with the pieces winding up in the laps of Sir Johnny Ive, Bob Mansfield, Eddie Q, and Craig Federici. This is kind of a very unusual shakeup at Apple for top management. I can't remember anything even remotely close to this in the past eight years. Of course, the past eight years have been kind of an incredible ride up for Apple. But with the recent dust-up from Maps and the ongoing general malaise towards Siri in the tech pubs, it is kind of something you can understand with Scott's removal or why Tim removed him. Per the removal of John Browett, that probably had more to do with the person not fitting in the culture of Apple. I mean, did anyone really think getting a retail head from a big box cheap retailer and then putting them in charge of the highest end of retail stores in the world was going to be a good thing? Remember, Apple makes more money per square foot than Tiffany's. They say they have a search going now for his replacement, John Browett's that is. Let's hope that search goes nowhere near Bentonville, Arkansas, or Iskawah, Washington. Now, of all this news, the two biggest things that come out of this are, one, Johnny Ive gets more responsibility, and some people are thinking that's going to be great, that Johnny Ive now is going to have some input on the user interface on the software side. The other thing is, really, it's about Maps and Siri. That's the reason Scott's gone. And both of those fall into Eddie Q's lap. So Eddie is now going to be responsible, be the responsible party to get this turned around. 
He was the one that had to come in and clean up the whole mobile me mess. So hopefully Eddie can clean up Siri and clean up the maps. Hi Rob, I just completed my second instructable. This one is modding a car cradle to use the an Apple Lightning to 30 pin adapter for an iPhone 5. You can find it and well, the, look for the link in the show notes uh, for mod iPhone 4 4S cradle with Lightning to 30 pin adapter. And that is from Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So Thomas, thanks for that and the link will be in the show notes. I was trying to figure out a good way to describe this next accessory and well, words kind of fail me. So I'll be blunt. It's a rocking chair that charges your iPad while you rock. It has a price tag that you will need to be seated to here, which is $1,300. Not sure the woman that took Whistler to term would approve of this one, but I could easily see a meme started from that thought. They are calling this the iRock. Now, what I find most interesting is that for $1,300, you could, you know, buy a few iPad minis, and since they have 10-hour battery life, you could just keep one or two of those extra iPad minis in and charged while you're using the other one. Then swap them out when you need it. Just saying. I want to give you a heads up on a free app called Radio Alarm Clock, free for a limited time. Search for Radio Alarm Clock, three words in iTunes. It allows you to listen to 50,000 different radio stations from around the world which is always nice now that college basketball season's here. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, is it possible to make the font size on the iPhone 5 apps larger? Is there an app that will do this? I love the iPhone, but this is a problem people are having, especially as they get older. It's a little difficult to read because the letters are so small. I tried zooming in, but this creates large, uh, very large app sizing and it becomes difficult to manage. Please help straining eyes. Thanks, Jose. Jose, I'm going to throw that one out to the listeners, especially those that are more versed in the accessibility side. Folks, please let Jose know a good answer for his problem. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or just shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Quick question. I know there isn't a jailbreak for the iPhone 5, but should we avoid this current update that is more a bug fix in hopes to not ruin our chances for a future untethered jailbreak? Regards, Justin. Hi, Justin. If your goal is to jailbreak the iPhone 5, chances are iOS 6.0.1 versus 6.0 is not going to matter. That said, better safe than sorry, and best to stay at 6.0 for now if your main goal is to someday jailbreak your iPhone 5. Now, if you're having issues with your iPhone 5, especially with Wi-Fi, then you need to ask yourself, is it worth the risk of going to iOS 6.0.1? Again, I, I don't think it will matter, but in your shoes, my recommendation would probably be to stay where you are and not upgrade for now. There's an article over at fastcodedesign.com. Yeah, I never heard of them either. They had a blog post titled, The Dead Simple Idea, or This Dead Simple Idea Could Fix iPad's Lousy Typing, which I figured it was just link bait with no substance. I was pleasantly surprised to find out I was wrong. There's a video on the site showing a Georgia Tech student named Daniel Haber created a nice demo of his idea to help iOS typing. Essentially what you do when typing is you slide your finger left to right or right to left over the keyboard and it moves the cursor over what you typed. You stop where you need to and insert a word or correct a mistake. If you want to select, you hold down the shift key and then drag over the keyboard. Brilliant and very, very simple. 
if you're with Apple and you hear this, please, 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 please check out this video and then send links to everyone you know above you at Apple to get this added to iOS 6.x or iOS 7 at worst case. Please, Apple, take some money, buy this idea and patent, and lock it out from the Android before they or Google goes and does the same thing. I would love to have this feature on iOS, and if you don't move quickly, you know Google will, and they're going to get this. FYI, the video on YouTube has already been viewed over 750,000 times. Actually, it looks like it went up back in May, so it may already be too late. But hopefully, we'll see this feature in a future version of iOS. Thanks to Michael for this next and last one, which is a heads up, there is a new 12-watt charger from Apple for the iPad 4th Gen, and this helps charge the iPad faster. If you want this more powerful charger for your iOS device, you can buy it for $19.99 from Apple. The charger is also coming, or supposed to be coming, with the new iPad Mini, according to 9to5Mac and others. Just a quick reminder for those in the KC area, the weekend of the 16th of November, I'll be attending the KC Startup Weekend. Hope to see some of the listeners there. Please come by and say hi. Hopefully there'll be some neat app ideas that come out of it to report on for the show. And don't forget that Blog World New Media Expo is coming up in early January in Las Vegas. Would love to see you there. I'll be talking about how to podcast 100% from an iPad. As always, if you have any questions, comments, tips, tricks, anything you want to share with the audience, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And please, 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 if you are having issues with the podcast app where you are getting a lot of downloads and bandwidth issues, please let me know if the new update helped you out. need to get some feedback on that, just not for the show, but also for work, so again, if you are someone that was using the podcast app and we're having issues with bandwidth, please let us know if it's gone away now with the new version. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. As always, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.